Welcome to a nightmare in stereo. A podcast for horror movie review. Now, here are your hosts, Juan and Norma. Are we going to start the episodes with like a pop song, everyone? Are we? Uh-huh. Did, are, are you recording? Oh, no. Yes, I am. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice. I was looking at the script. So that's I, the intro. Hey, welcome back, it. guys. <laughs> How are you? You're listening to A Nightmare in Stereo. Yes. Yes, you are. And we are very grateful that you're here with us yet again. <laughs> so Norma keeps singing for us. Uh, that's the only part I know of this song. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. uh, God damn it! Uh, I, I kind of wanted more. No, you're a better singer than I am, anyway. So you can no, continue. Tell, no. tell you what I want, <laughs> what I really, really want. So tell me what you. No, fuck that. Oh man, uh, I'm dancing. I do. I do want you to tell me what happened last week. Last week, we came back after a week hiatus with In the Mouth of Darkness. Nope, In the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> in the Mouth of Madness, a 90s cult movie where a man slowly realizes the life he thought he owned was all a dream within a dream. We rate this a 7.5 out of 10, and here's a few things from the film. We learned that Cotard delusion, Cotard, Cotard, Cotard syndrome, meh, is a rare condition marked by the false belief that you or your body parts are dead, they're dying, or they just don't exist. It only occurs with severe depression and some psych- psychotic disorders. Number okay. two. John Carpenter had a brief cameo in the film in the asylum in one of my favorite scenes and it's in the beginning of the movie when Trent is shouting I'm not insane and then everyone in the in the asylum starts screaming I'm not if he's not well he is in the asylum when the cameraman pass and he shouts me neither <laughs> that's a good cameo though yes it was cute and then the Doberman scene with the doggies, it resulted in serious injuries to the stuntmen that participated. Wait, for real? Yes. Many of them were injured. And I he said that's know. Yeah, he said that this is one of the main reasons why he doesn't like working with pets. <laughs> I mean, the Dobermans weren't even necessary in the movie. I don't even know why they had them there. That's my point. Like, there were certain things, like, again, the unnecessary horniness and the dogs, they weren't needed. Norma, for the last time, all the horniness is necessary. Just just mm. let it go. Um, how about you tell me about today's film? Today's film will be Insidious! I just love that intro that every time that the word insidious comes up, like that little blast of music and shit just to try to scare you. Yes. It's fucking amazing. So yeah, (laughs) this movie is directed by James Wan, release date April 1st, 2011. I didn't know it was actually released on April Fool's Day. Nice. Interesting. 
So, the budget of this movie was 1.5 million. The box office for this movie was 97 million. This was a fucking good, like, bank for this movie. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is starring Norma's sugar daddy, Patrick Wilson. Oh, yeah. Rose Byrne. And Barbara Hershey. Eat. Little Hershey kisses. Yes. And it is available on Amazon Prime with commercials. Fuck. Did not expect that. And rent or buy via iTunes, Google Play, and Vudu. I actually appreciated the commercials. Fuck no. No, it was so annoying. It was so <laughs> annoying. I literally was went it? like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to put in the Blu-ray because I'm not going to go through this shit. <laughs> oh, wait, if you have it on Blu-ray, why would you? Oh, my God. I can't. We are in 2020, okay? Like, I want the convenience of me just turning on the TV and choosing the movie I want to watch. I don't want to get up from my couch, fucking look up, look up the movie, put it into the Blu-ray player, and sit back down. No. <sighs> the people I work with. Yeah. Why do we even have a movie collection at this point? It's like... Right. Ah, What's well, the point? <laughs> For real. Like I just moved and I had to like put all the movies back up on like a bookshelf and I'm like, ah, do I need this? Do I really, really need this? <laughs> but at the same time, I can't let any of them go. Like, you know, Fuck. I know the feeling. I've been in this whole organizing, storing project thing lately and I saw my bookshelf the other day. I'm like, do I really need all those books? Like, Yes, you do. Imagine an empty bookshelf, or yet again, not a bookshelf. It's that empty space. It's a wall. Many people have walls in their homes. And bookshelves. <sighs> I'm not letting go of them. Like 30% of them were gifts from you and Anthony. <laughs> Damn. Yes. Have I really given you that many books? Hmm? No, no, I'm not even going to get on that. Okay, yeah. moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about this movie. We always do a little synopsis and Norma, take it away. So we start with Renee. Renee is the mom in the house and she's waking up to a messy home because they just moved in. When Dalton wakes up, they look at the family album together and he asks how come they don't have pictures of their dad when he was young. And she says that, you know, he's just really hopeless at taking pictures. The scene then changes to a more hectic one where everyone is getting ready for school and work. And then Renee is just scolding Dal Dalton and tells him, you know, if you want to look at my books, just put them back when you're done. And he just tells her, it wasn't me, mom. I didn't play with your books. After everyone leaves, Renee is a musician and she is trying to play her piano and write some songs, but she's unable to focus on work because of the constant cries of her baby. By the time Josh comes back, Renee took care of most of the unboxing and the kids, of course. She asked him if he's seen her box of sheet music, but they both don't know where it could be. On the other side of the house, we have Dalton, and he's just exploring around and he found his way to the attic. He climbed up the ladder to turn on the light bulb, but he fell and hit his head. Ouch. Yes. And then when he sits up, he hears some creaking coming from a dart from the dark and he screams. Renee and Josh, obviously, they come up to his rescue and he seems to be perfectly fine other than the little scrape on his forehead. While they're up there, Renee actually finds her um, box of sheet music in the attic. 
in bed later that night, Renee confesses to Josh that she wants things to be different in this house and she's just scared that nothing's going to change. And Josh is being as supportive as he can be and he tells her to just give it some time. Mm-hmm. The next day, um, Renee asks Josh to wake Dalton up. So Josh goes upstairs and he notices that Dalton is not responding. So they end up taking him to the hospital and where they basically are told they don't have any fucking clue of what's going on. They don't know what's wrong. He's just in a coma for no reason. And you know the usual, I've never seen anything like this. Uh, I fucking love those. (laughs) Like you need to hear that at least once. If there's going to be like a hospital scene, there's always that one doctor or nurse like, I've never seen anything like this. Right. And we definitely see it in this movie. Yes. Three months later, Dalton is still in a coma, but in, but he is now sent home. We see a nurse teaching Renee how to take care of Dalton's feeding tube while he's in a coma. And of course, Renee is beside herself. She was supposed to be taking time off work and focus on her music so she can, you know, be a better self. But now she has to care for Dalton. And unable to focus, she hears voices and they're coming from Callie's monitor, which is a tiny baby monitor. Little by little, they turn more and more aggressive until a one and now scares Renee. She runs up to the girl's room and she finds no one there. Later that night, while cleaning up Foster's room, Renee notices that Foster has been keeping things to himself. And Renee assures him that everything will be okay. It's just a rough patch. I'm going to share this with your dad. This is amazing. He asks her if he can change rooms because he is scared of Dalton and he doesn't like it when he walks at night. Renee obviously has no words to this since Dalton's in a coma. He's not really prancing around. So she ignores it. Bad move. Right. While Renee and Josh are talking, someone starts to knock on the door. Josh heads downstairs to see who it was, but there was no one at the door. Renee goes to Callie's room because she's fuzzing. And when she gets there, there's a man in her room. So obviously she starts screaming out of her lungs. Jems comes running upstairs to help Renee, but this guy is no longer there. Renee tries to tell him and amidst her hysterics, you know, there was a man here. I'm not making this up. But while she's trying to tell him all of this, the house alarm goes off. So he tells Renee, take both kids, go to Dalton's room. And then Josh goes back downstairs to find the door wide open. So he turns off the alarm and he does a quick sweep through the house. Everything seems fine, but the alarm goes on after the doors open one more time. So they had a crazy night. Mm-hmm. And about a day or two from that night, Renee finds a bloody handprint on Dalton's bedsheet. Josh is coming late every single day after that and Renee confronts him and tells him, you know, you're staying later than usual, you're avoiding coming home and he says, well, I'm doing overtime because someone's got to pay the freaking bills for Dalton and whatnot. And she tells him, you're just avoiding this situation, you're not helping me, this house is haunted and he doesn't believe her. He tells her he'll just deal with this situation his own way and she says, well, you know what, deal with this then. And he, she gives him the bloody handprint and he's like, the fuck? Oh my God, you're on your period. Right. Just shove something <laughs> in there. <laughs> it's so, like more context, please. When you're giving me bloody sheets, 
I need the context. But I mean, I I feel like it's pretty obvious as it it is in the shape of a hand. Yeah. So. Like, you don't just have period accidents in the shape of a hand. <laughs> you never know. You just go down there to check and just like try to get up and bam, handprint sheet. There you go. Done. Case over. Juan, you never had a period before, huh? Thank God. Because that would be weird. I know. Tell me about it. You're such a yeah. dick. Shut so up. obviously, after this confrontation, you know, Josh is sleeping on the couch. Doi. Um, hey, so- hey, hey. <laughs> Leave my man Josh alone. He did nothing wrong. <laughs> so at night, Renee um, wakes up from a nightmare and she sees a man pacing by her window. And she's trying to call Josh, but he's not listening. Obviously, he can't hear her. When suddenly, from pacing outside, he starts pacing inside the room and charges at her. Of course, Renee is screaming. She's scared to death. Josh comes up. There's no one in the room with her. And she just keeps crying and telling him, the house is haunted. There was someone here. You don't believe me. This isn't that. And then he just finally agrees to move out of the house after she was begging him to do so. This wouldn't have happened if Josh weren't in the couch. Just saying. Just saying. I feel like you this ladies is... There, you ladies out there, never sent your man to the couch. Let I him mean... sleep in because you might get haunted and be attacked and then we won't be able to listen. Just saying. I, I would never do that to Patrick Wilson. Never. Oh, never. but any other man... I mean... No. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> But, lies, but going back to this scene, this is such a love um, action, like an action out of love, like moving out of the house because you think your spouse, because your spouse thinks the house is haunted. Anthony yeah. would never do that. <laughs> I would never do that. I'm like, shit, I probably could have gotten it cheaper if it was haunted. He would probably pay someone to clean the house, but he'd be like, Norma, let's face it we poured our savings in this house there's no way we're leaving exactly just burn some sage and chill right that was so nice of him but anyway going back in the new house we meet lorraine which is my mother-in-law i mean josh's mom and she's very (laughs) supportive and we can see how relieved renee is that finally someone understands her and she's in a new place new home new energy so she puts on some music as she starts cleaning the house and when she's outside taking out the garbage she hears that her music changes and when she sees through the window there's a kid dancing in her living room through the window by the window that's where i'll be now tiptoe through the tulips with me So she runs back in and she walks around the house trying to find where the heck is this kid. She hears him, but she can't see him. So her next step is to go and check on Dalton. When she's checking on Dalton, this kid just simply jumps at her and runs away. And this situation was so real to her that she just lost her shit. She called the priest and the priest came home. By the time um, Josh comes in, the priest is still there and she tries to explain to him, you know, whatever was haunting us in the other home came with us like they are here with us and she tells him what happened he's very very skeptical Lorraine tries to intervene and tells them you know what Renee is saying is real 
I came to visit because I had a dream last night where I was checking on Dalton and there was this dark figure standing next to him. I asked him who he was, he said he was a visitor, and then I asked him what he wanted and he said he wanted Dalton. And as she's telling the story to Josh and to Renee, she looks at Josh and this dark figure that was haunting Dalton is right behind Josh. So they oh start screaming. What? Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. That is like one of the most iconic scenes of this movie. <laughs> like, don't tell me that the first time that you watched that scene, you were like at least a little bit startled. I'm like, what the fuck? Are they really oh, just yes, showing definitely. it to me? Yes, definitely. Yes. It is definitely one of those biggest jump scares that you will find in this movie. Yes, it's so fucking great. I love it. I love it so fucking much. Right. So right after this happened, there were loud noises coming from Dalton's room and they barge inside. Poor Dalton is on the floor and the room is a hot mess. Lorraine says, you know, I know someone who can help. And we meet Elisa's crew. We meet Steven and Tucker. They come in, they explain how the process works. Elise doesn't really come in until they confirm that there is activity, and activity there is. Because Tucker is nearly scared to death after seeing two sisters as clear as day in one of his pictures. The comic relief, and it was yeah. so well done too. Oh yeah, I love the banter between them two. It's like you and me. It's like this brotherly yeah. banter. It's, it's just great. It's fun to watch, and... I know this is a horror movie, but it lightens it up just the right amount. Right. While still keeping the characters meaningful for the story. Of course. So after we meet Steven and Tucker, Elise comes over and tells Josh, hey, I remember you from a long time ago. Lorraine and me were actually, you know, known each other for years. Lorraine being Josh's mom. Yes. Elise then asks Steven to bring his sketchbook and they wander around the house. Once inside Dalton's room, she sees something on top of the bed, and she just starts describing him and whispers to Steven. And this guy's just sketching like a fucking maniac, like, like fucking writing, like burning off his pencil. So fast. <laughs> yes, and it's uh, again, I I love all these scenes. Um, and of course, with everything that's happening during that scene. Uh, Renee's gonna get scared and she pulls the sketch from Steven's hands and what she sees what she drew she turns the lights on and we see nothing above Dalton's bed but on the sketch we see this black demon figure just right above in the corner of the room so Elise tells them that she's not gonna waste her time so she's gonna go in and do this immediately she says that Dalton is not in a coma He's actually a very accomplished astral projector. I, I was not expecting that the first time I watched this movie. I don't think I was either. Yeah. So apparently his soul just wanders away. And when he does that, his body just becomes an empty vessel. And this is where the haunting comes in. So when he leaves his body and just leaves that empty vessel behind, spirits are actually coming in to try to claim his body as their own. So no matter where they go, as long as Dalton's body's empty, there you go. It's a lighthouse. It's just going to keep bringing them in. Kind of feel bad for them, like, after wasting all that money, just getting another house after moving away from another one, right? They should have just gotten rid of the kid. I mean, they already have two. I mean, they have three, so... Yeah, at Dalton being the oldest one, yeah, you can go fend for yourself. Just leave yeah. him in the hospital. Yeah. Do they have, like, a lost and found for kids? Little coma kids? I'm not sure, do they? Oh, no, I'm asking. Is that how adoption know. works? 
Oh my god, Juan, you went a very dark path. <laughs> Go on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <sighs> so, uh, going back to this, um, apparently there's a very demonic or evil demonic entity that is very close to claiming Dalton's body for himself. And this entity wants to cause pain to others. So Josh is like, you know what? Just stop this nonsense. He just believes that all this is for show. And Renee cries because she is desperate and feels like Josh just doesn't understand her. So he says that what Elise and her crew are doing, they're just exploiting them. And it's very heartless. After the crew leaves, Josh goes to Dalton room and just, you know, sits down next to him and asks him, hey, just just give me a sign. Give me a sign if you're there, little buddy. And one of the drawings that he made just falls from the wall. He goes up to pick it up and we see the same man that Steven drew or the same demon that Steven drew. He also notices that the rest of the drawings, there's one that says, I saw myself sleeping last night and I flew away. It's it's very innocent. It's like very cute seeing these type of pictures, but then seeing the darkness from them. And we see the other pictures that resemble different versions of the demon that Elise mentioned. So in tears, he locks eyes with Renee and he says, let's do it. Let's call Elise. So he finally broke in like after seeing the pictures. This was all it fucking took. <laughs> this is how good of a dad Josh is that he's not even fucking paying attention to what the fuck his kid is drawing. Right. And, and he did in a way. He just didn't actually... Well, he saw the pictures. He didn't pay attention to it because remember when they sent him to bed, he was like, oh, you're not a superhero. And it's the same picture that said, I saw myself sleeping and I flew away. Yeah. So we, we've seen this for a while now, but, you know, no one's really paying attention. Right. So at least the boys come back and tells them that, hey, I'm going to wear a mask that will allow me to communicate from the further. Oh. I fucking love the name of that place, too. Only Steven can communicate with her and listen to what she has to say while she has the mask on. And with this, the seance begin. They are able to contact Dalton and he tells them, hey, I can't see you. And, you know, please keep it down. Uh, they'll hear me and they'll hurt me. So Dalton is basically scared shitless of everything that's going on. Oh, yeah. Something that I really like that Dalton says is the man with fire on his face will hurt me. That and there's sounds no... so childlike. It is, and it's it's cute and but terrifying at the same time. Mm. He starts to ask for help because the spirits have found Elise. Now Elise seems to be communicating with something more verbally aggressive. Lights just start flickering on and off, and Steven is just writing insult after insult and elites just lets out a guttural scream that scares everyone and passes out we can also hear dalton's pulse hitting a flat line and worried josh just looks at the bed and sees that dalton is not there some fucking how dalton's <laughs> body just fucking appeared in between josh and steven and he elevates his little tiny fist and just smacks the table where they're sitting all of them just fucking flew off their chairs. I love this scene. Yeah, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of spiritual activity in this scene. 
Elise then grabs Dalton by the shoulders and head and screams, leave this vessel over and over again until someone turns the lights on. Um, while everyone's trying to recover, Tucker shows Steven a video frame by frame and we see this demon literally using Dalton like a little puppet to slap everyone around. And Lorraine is called by Elise so she can tell Josh how to save Dalton. What the fuck was that? <laughs> you know, like organ in the old movies, they go like <laughs> on radio shows. No, okay. <laughs> Are you doing our own sound effects now? <laughs> sure, why not? Do it again, do it again. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm gonna save that. <laughs> so, um, after the scene, we learn a little bit more about Josh and the family. Apparently, when Josh was little, he used to be scared of an old woman. Lorraine thought it was just kid stuff, but it wasn't. Uh, she started taking pictures of him, and she saw a woman getting closer and closer to Josh on each picture. Elise tells him Lorraine contacted her, and they found out that he was also an astral projector. And oh. that this hag apparently was leashed into him like a parasite. So they had to get her removed and repress his astral memories. She tells him he needs to do this one more time so he can find Dalton and bring him back. Again, something new to these type of haunting movies. So apparently it's not just the kid, it's the dad. Like it's been in the family. Like this shit's old. Like what the fuck? It's hereditary. Ooh, nice little homage to our very first episode. Yay. <laughs> Don't do that ever again. I won't. Uh, that, yay, that yay was so weird. Oh. <laughs> okay. So the only problem is that Josh just doesn't remember how to do this anymore. But Elise assures him that she'll help him every step of the way. As Josh sits down, Elise tells him, do not draw any attention. Once they know you don't belong there, they will come for your body. So Josh like, okay, cool, I understand. He then falls asleep into one of those deep, deep sleeps. And somehow, yeah, he was able to do it. He was able to go into the further. Elise tells him, now you're outside, let my voice be your guide. Keep a steady stride and into the further you go. Again, the further, I love the name, but it also sounds like really lazy at the same time. Yeah. Like, what should we call this great beyond the further? But this is the thing I like about it. It sounds like something someone her age would definitely come up with. Um, so it right? sounds so genuine. The further. Right. It's like, where did you leave the car keys? The, the further. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Josh leaves and finds his way at the old house. In there, he sees a family that was murdered by one of their own. Then he tries to go into Dalton's room, where he is attacked by the man that jumped at Renee earlier in the movie. They engaged in a ghost fight, I guess? This guy yeah. reminds me of that evil vampire from Twilight, the one in the memes, that goes like, Bella, something like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He reminds me of that guy. Simon Pegg. Isn't that Simon Pegg? That's Simon I Pegg. That's Simon. I don't know. I only watched the first movie because this guy took me on a date. 
we don't need to talk about your love life like that. It's not. No, it's it. It, it was horrible. But <laughs> I only I mean, watched clearly, the first he movie. Just see Twilight. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. But so, really, that's well, Simon Pegg. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it, it's Simon Pegg. Okay, can I go? Can I go on? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> okay, we can talk about Twilight another day, though. I promise. It's okay. <laughs> Um, Elise tells him, hey, remember, you're stronger than them. You're the one that's alive. And Josh just goes full superhero and wins the fight. Josh was able to find Dalton and they try to escape the lair of the red-faced demon. But the demon sees him and stops them. And oh my god, I just fucking love the lair of the demon. Because it's so fucking cute and he's just playing Tiny Tim in the background. I was like, Dude, that's, that's that's the most awesome demon I've seen. Fucking love that puppets. shit. He has his own nail filer. I know. <laughs> don't, don't don't fucking make fun of him. He's cool, okay? I'm not. He's a cool demon. I like him. He's a cool dude. Okay, cool. Fuck off. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so Josh is able to just grab Dalton and run away and they have a hard time trying to find the house again and Elise tells Renee you have to call out to him and while Josh makes his way towards the house the rest of the family is under attack by all these entities that just smell the two empty vessels that are Dalton and Josh Josh (laughs) finds the house and lets Dalton run to his room but Josh is trying to be the good dad now and stays behind arguing with the old lady that used to scare him when he was little Josh continues to argue until the lady vanishes away. And Josh is able to return to his body, and so does Dalton. At this point, mission accomplished. You're thinking that everything's going to be really nice, right? Right. So Dalton's like, hey, I'm back, guys. And they're like, are you all right? He's like, oh, no, kind of hungry. I haven't, you know, been through a tube for the last three months. (laughs) This fucked up. Yeah. Little fucker just like, I'm hungry. I'm famished. So, Elise and Josh are talking in another room about their previous experience when Josh was a kid, and he hands out some of the pictures to Elise, and Elise can see that something changed. She tries to, you know, double check, and she snaps a picture of Josh. Josh becomes quite aggressive because, you know, he did not want her to do that. It's like, why did you do that? Huh? Why the fuck did you do that? So Josh kills Elise. <sighs> so fast. Such a short life. So fast. What a twist. Right. So Renee comes to find Elise dead and she picks up the picture that Elise took of Josh earlier, but it wasn't Josh. It was the old hack from his childhood. What? The end. The end. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I, I, I fucking love this movie. I fucking love this movie so much. I can tell. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, go ahead. Tell me your notes. I love Rose Byrne um, in Damages. You ever seen Damages? Nope. Um, it's a series. It's a show with Glenn Close. I love me an evil Glenn Close. They're lawyers and Rose Byrne is like one of the interns and she's like just 
sweet, sweet, shy Jane Doe coming in and whatnot. And then she just ends up being the boss of fucking everything in there. Amazing. You have to watch it. I highly recommend it. I don't know. It doesn't sound like something I'd be interested in. No, because you have shitty taste, but I'm just telling everyone else out there. Oh, okay. Fuck off. (laughs) I always, always, always will love watching this movie because of Patrick Wilson. And I will always have the biggest crush on this idiot. I love him. I don't know why. I just love him. I was was literally going to ask, like, why? What is your obsession with Patrick Wilson? What was the first time that you saw him and you literally were like, I'm in love? Hard candy. He has like this evil dorky look to him that makes me go like sploosh. I don't know. Uh, uh, I didn't want to hear that, but okay. Um, I think it's weird when parents match their kids' outfits or they match the kids' outfits with other of their siblings. In the beginning, obviously, we see this with Renee and Dalton. They are both wearing monkey pajamas. I hate it. I hate it with such a passion. Why? I don't know. And here's the thing, though. I told Anthony, you know, since we can't do anything for Christmas, how about we just wear matching pajamas? And then I heard myself saying that out loud. I'm like, never mind. Oh, you became that person. I became that person. I need help. I can see myself doing that, though. Ugh. And the other thing that I appreciate in this movie is the Stanley Kubrick resemblance coming from Tucker, one of the tech guys from Elisa's crew, and the adult sister that were caught on camera. You know, that little shining moment there. I loved it. I know. It was it was a nice little homage to it. Right. I also like Elisa's rhyme for when Josh is projecting. It reminds me of that song from Led Zeppelin, Into the Light, especially that mm. small verse that says, and if you feel that you can go on into the light, you will find the road. I love it. No, you will find your road into the further. Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's put it in there. <laughs> I'm going to rate this and I know one is coming back. It's coming for me. I can smell it. I can smell the empty vessel he's going to leave in me. I'm going to rate this a 4 out of 10. I like Fuck it. You. I, Fuck you. I Fuck I you. Fuck you. It's it's fun to watch, but only if it's your first time watching it. I feel like after a few times you notice how obvious and monotone the movie is and the story and it loses its <gasps> magic. I know our ratings are subjective and, you know, we should respect each other's ratings. (laughs) But But just as usual, you won't respect mine. (laughs) No, no, I'm going to respect it. Like, as a friend, I will always love you, Norma. Mm -hmm. I just no longer like you. Okay. I mean, I can live with that. Can you, though? Yeah. Can you tell me your notes? (laughs) so i know norma says that the it becomes obvious and monotone and the movie loses this magic but to me it doesn't to me this movie was such a breath of fresh air when it was first released and it kind of changed that whole haunting and possession genre and it was like a really nice reimagining of it because we don't have like your basic haunting we have this new edition of astral projection on top of that it's not just a kid like we have some previous history in the family as well hot hot yes and the way that they did like the ghosts the demons the entities and all that shit like i i just liked it like i'm sorry i just liked it (laughs) and james wan 
I feel like this was the movie. Like I know James Wan before this movie, he had Saw and Dead Silence, but I feel like Insidious was the one that kind of put his name more out there in the horror genre. And then after Insidious with The Conjuring, it's just like amazing work after amazing work. I know that some of those sequels and spinoffs are not the greatest, but usually he's not the director for those, thank God. And I know that he's working on some new projects and I just can't wait to actually see them. Is he? Anything exciting? Because we kind of need something exciting. So he has a new movie called Malignant that was supposed to be released on this year. I think it was supposed to be released around August or something. But of course, due to COVID, that's that's on the back burner. So God knows when we'll ever see a new movie from him. But eventually, hopefully, we'll see something new. Ugh, I hate COVID. Uh, all of us do. You know what everyone else hates too? You? Fuck you. No, sequels. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so, sequels. Have you seen the sequels to this movie? Uh, no. And after I read what you wrote, I think I'm happy I haven't. No, no, no. I, I still recommend the sequels. Um, one, two, and three, and four that came out like a little while Jesus, ago. Jesus, how many are there? Four. Damn. Yeah. So watch them. They're good to watch. They bring, they tie the story in perfectly. You realize that the main character of the story is not dalton or josh or anyone elise is the main character for all these movies the movies really follow elise along with all of her ghost and demon adventures so yeah watch them it's really good the only thing i'm upset about is the red face demon you gave us an awesome a fucking awesome movie villain that fucking listens to tiny tim and just like sharpens his claws and he's sassy as fuck and you don't use him more often in the sequels he's still mentioned like you see tiny little snippets of him or something like that in the sequels but we don't have more of a backstory on him this is what i want like if james wan comes back to the insidious uh movies I just want him to give me like a full-blown movie about the lipstick face or red face demon, whatever you want to call him, because apparently he has a shit ton of names. I want more of a backstory of that demon. That was a cool-ass demon. I want more of that shit. That motherfucker made Tiny Team terrifying for everyone. I like... How can I explain this? I feel like this demon was... If you were to see him around, you'd be like, holy shit! Yeah, you're going to get terrified for a second there. But the more you see him, the sillier he gets. Yeah, that's what I fucking love about him. It's like, literally, it's a balding demon with like a Darth Maul, like knockoff face and little like uh, goat feet and shit. It's 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 cute. I like it. Right. I want more of that, but I didn't get more of that. And it saddens me. They should do like a short film just about him. No, no, no. I want a full-blown film just about him. The same way that they took The Conjuring and gave us like 50 Annabelle movies and they're giving us the Crooked Man movie and all that. I want a movie for the fucking red-faced demon. Annabelle was Make so it happen, bad. Hollywood. I don't like Annabelle movies. They were so bad. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But since we're talking about like spinoffs, um, you know something else that I want to see? What? Since Elaine is technically dead... Insidious 1 through 4 covered everything. We don't technically need more of that story, and we can move forward. 
I want them to do a spin-off series of just Steven and Tucker with Elaine's ghost. Uh, I would watch that. Yeah, like, I feel like it would be a fun series. Like, you know, they're already the comic relief. So just make it like a nice comedy horror movie or series or whatever. Yeah, wait. Like every episode, it could just be getting like a new demon or something. Is Tucker the same guy in Fargo? Do I don't Fargo? remember. Okay. Uh, I love the movie. But I, I started watching the series and I kind of let go. Gotcha. Okay. I think yeah. he is, but never mind. Please continue. Okay. So, <laughs> overall, I think I expressed how much I love this movie, how much I enjoy the universe that James Wan created with it. So, I, I, myself, Wan, am rating this a 9 out of 10. Come at me. I really enjoy this movie. And I'm a sucker for these type of movies. So, yeah. And he is in Fargo. I don't fucking care. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> okay. Oh, this was so funny. You know what I care for, though? I no. care for our episode next week. We are going to check in at the most messed up hospital I've ever seen since, since Silent Hill. Join us as we review The Void, a Canadian horror film that we're going to talk about it here on A Nightmare on Stereo, people. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Don't listen to Norma, by the way. Yeah, don't listen to me. Oh, man. <laughs> I spilled the trash. What? <laughs> I spilled the trash. <laughs> uh, see? Good thing that it happened. All right. Bye, guys. Oh, bye, guys. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.